Field of Faith Radio is made possible by the generous donation of ABC Electric. ABC stands for Abiding and Believing in Christ Jesus. And for all your electrical needs, it's ABC Electric. Welcome to Field of Faith Radio, sharing the testimony and stories of faith from around the world of sports. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham. And welcome to this week's episode of Field of Faith Radio. I am your host, Tom Abraham. What is Field of Faith Radio? Well, it's our mission to bring you tremendous stories and testimonies from some of the great sportsmen of our time, those who play the game for a higher calling, that of serving the Lord. Now, we're flooded in the sports world with stories of bad characters and bad deeds, a me-first attitude amongst many who have one of the greatest of God's gifts, the ability to perform on the field, the court, the ice, or in today's case, the water, for the enjoyment of many. Now, the Bible clearly says to run to win the race. But what is that race? Well, ultimately, it's to please God and to bring others to him. Lost in the headlines are the stories of great athletes, men and women who are running the race for God. And it's my pleasure over the next 30 minutes or so to bring you one of those stories. Now, today's guest is Bassmaster Elite Series professional fisherman Mark Menendez. He's a three-time winner on tour, and he's made over a million dollars in tournament winnings, and he's been featured on countless fishing TV shows. Now, a man of strong faith, Menendez underwent a series of devastating events beginning some six years ago. And that's where our story begins, and he joins us now. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Tom. How about you? I'm fantastic. And really, the story doesn't begin six years ago. The story begins 10 or 12 years before that. Just kind of set up uh, uh, how, how, how your life was going, immersed in the fishing world and so on, and then and then meeting your, your uh, wife, Donna, who became the love of your life and the mother of your uh, two children. Well, that goes even further back, Tom, to second grade. Wow. When I moved into the city from the county, and I went to the first day of second grade at the public school in Paducah, Kentucky. Kentucky, and I met Donna. Uh, she was in my second grade class, and we were we were acquaintances and friends throughout high school, all the way through high school. And um, life takes us in different places and different ways and different things. And I didn't see Donna for over 20 years, Tom, uh, after graduation, literally almost 20 years to graduation day. And I'm flying home from a promotion in Dallas, Texas, through St. Louis, Missouri. And they call my flight. I get in line with all the people that are hurrying to get on that plane before everybody else. And I get a tap on the shoulder, Tom. And I turn around, and it's my high school friend, my grade school friend. And I turn around, and I said, well, hello, Donna. How are you? She says, my goodness, you remember me? And I said, well, of course I do. The most beautiful cheerleader of all the cheerleaders that we had. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's great to see you. So as fate had it, as it, we sat on the plane next to one another uh, in the seats next to each other and, and began to tell our stories of what has happened over the last 20 years. It is an amazing story. I met my wife in the hallways of the high school uh, that we attended together in, in upstate New York, Bishop Kearney High School, and, and uh, she was a junior and I was a senior, and, and it took me several years to kind of realize that that was a God thing. I would, I would imagine at some point in time you realize that, you know, it's almost, it's, it's almost funny. It kind of put a smile on your face that this is obviously a God thing for something like that to happen. Well, being an only child and being single – all of my life, it was a definite dirty trick by God. He <laughs> has had a big chuckle. I was so pointed in grade school and high school of becoming a professional fisherman, I actually signed Donna's yearbook. I love you. It's great to have been in math class, blah, 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 blah. Future professional bass pro, Mark Menendez. <laughs> and that's how I signed my year, her yearbook. 
so he got a big chuckle of this single guy, this guy that's always been alone, that it was so focused on fishing. And when I turned around and I locked eyes with her, Tom, there was thunder, lightning, <laughs> uh, whatever. And I thought, what in the world just happened? That's an amazing story. All right, so then uh, we flash forward. You guys get married. You have two beautiful children. And in 2012, some, uh, what, seven, eight years into your marriage or so, um, you get the phone call that Donna needs to go see a doctor and, and, and you're going to go spend some time with her and, and to find out that she's at that time diagnosed with cancer, correct? Well, um, I'm literally on my way to the Toyota Texas Bass Classic at Lake Conroe, and I get a phone call from her that says, hey, where are you? And I said, uh, I will, uh, I'm only 15 minutes down the road. She says, oh, you must have left the house late. I, she said, I'm going back to Dr. Long's. She had had a CAT scan done um, because some other very strange problems were, were showing themselves. And um, so I said, I'll be there in 15 minutes. And I had a real sinking feeling, Tom, a really worse than when the blue lights come on behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I make it back, you know, boats in tow, trucks, ready to go. I pull in the doctor's office. We come in, they greet us, and they tell us to go to the left. I didn't know there was even a waiting room to the left. And we sat there for about 45 minutes in pure silence. The doctor comes in with his, uh, with his PA, and she won't look at us, and she's grasping her hands so tightly that her hands were turning white. No blood flow at all, and, and uh, I'm thinking, this is not going to be good. And Dr. Long tells me, he says, I'm so glad you're here. Don, we have found the growth on your pancreas. Mm. And he looked at me, and I looked towards him as if, are you going to tell her or am I going to tell her? And there was another little hesitation, and I said, Donna, this most likely is cancer. Mm. And she looked towards the doctor for assurance and guidance, and he says, Mark is probably right. This is probably cancer due to the shape and the placement and the whole nine yards. And so we began an 18-month journey, Tom, discovery and growth as a couple facing the darkest of darkest times in which some magnificent things happened during that 18 months. And 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 a big part of the story, too, is, is and this goes to the, how strong your faith had to be throughout all of this and how God would guide you through all of this, is that I believe at, at some particular point in time, 2013-ish or so, um, Donna is declared cancer-free, and then, yeah. then her dad passes away, and the next thing you know, her cancer's back, and it's and it's worse than ever. I mean, I don't even know how I could handle that kind of. I know that God won't give us anything that we can't handle, but it would seem like uh, the emotions that had to be running through both of you at that point in time um, have got to be unbelievable. You know, she became an advocate for pancreatic cancer sufferers and survivors. Went to Washington D.C. testified. Uh, with congressmen on the Hill uh, trying to raise as much awareness as she possibly could about it. At that time in late November, early early December, she was actually a Purple Light speaker at a Purple Light event sponsored by Pancan.org, and she was the most beautiful I ever remember her, Tom. She was a thing of health, a thing of beauty. That was on a Wednesday. And on the Thursday following, I'm at school working in a kids program with my kids and all the kids in the, in the elementary school. And I'm leaving as I get a call from my sister-in-law saying that Donna's stepfather had passed away. 
suddenly, and they didn't have any details. He was in Canada working, and he had a major heart attack and died. In five minutes after that phone call, I get a phone call from a radiologist saying her cancer was back and it was inoperable. And I had to deliver that news to her, both the fact that Daryl had passed away and the fact that she's having to face her demons again and the cancer was back. That was a terrible day in December. How does that rock your faith? How do you deal with it at that point in time? Because it wouldn't be, you know, most people um, wouldn't think that it would be natural to continue to be strong in your faith. It would be an opportunity for you to exit and think that this is all just a cruel joke. How is it that you and Donna are able to to come to grips with uh, your Lord during that time? Well, the, the cruel joke was most likely inevitable, as we had learned through the previous 12 months. When she was diagnosed, I parked the boat and truck, called my sponsors and said, guys, I'm done. My wife has pancreatic cancer. And within a week, every sponsor that I had had gotten in touch with me and said, we're going to honor your contracts. We are going to support you while you do battle and protect your wife and try to help your wife and give her every minute that you can. That was the first time that I realized God would not give you more than what you could handle. Because I asked him in a parking lot, looking through my windshield, I said, boss, please don't give me any more today, because if you give me more today, I will crack. So we had many episodes like that, going from scans to surgeries. So we we talked with him on a regular basis, and we never got, you know, that one more ounce that would have crushed us. Hmm. At this point, we huddled, we knew what the problem was. We had a minimal amount of time, we thought. We were given six months to a year, and we got 90 days. Her quality of life in those latter 90 days deteriorated some, but it was very good. And we thank God daily for the blessings of our children, for the health of our children, and for all the great things in our lives. And planned for our children's future in those 90 days of which I had to execute those plans on my own, which was no no easy feat. Mark Menendez is our guest talking about the trials and tribulations that he went through over the past uh, six years or so. When we return, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. Believe it or not, folks, it does get a lot better. Not sadder, but better, and we'll do that when we return right here on Field of Faith Radio on the Field of Faith Radio Network. ABC Electric Service has been serving the residents and builders of Southwest Florida for over 40 years. ABC Electric Service has been part of some of the largest projects in the area, banks, schools, plazas, and restaurants. But ABC's trademark is the residential and commercial service work they do throughout the community. ABC means abiding and believing in Christ, and ABC Electric is a supporter of Kingdom FM. Their number is 936-3355, 936-3355. ABC Electric Service is online at abcelectricservice.com. Fort Myers Christian School is a supporter of Field of Faith Radio. For 38 years, Fort Myers Christian has been a ministry of First Assembly of God Church on Colonial Boulevard and is a faith-based preschool through 8th grade school. Fort Myers Christian works with the home and church to academically train and spiritually nurture students to become productive citizens in society and impact others for Jesus Christ. Fort Myers Christian School is fully accredited by the Florida Council 
Council of Independent Schools and is a member of the Association of Christian Schools International. Great opportunities for your student will be available in music, band, art, technology, missions, outreach, sports, and more. How important is it for your child to attend a school where faith integrates with excellent academics? Proverbs 22.6 states, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now is the time to allow Fort Myers Christian School to partner with you during these foundational years. Registration is now open online at fmc-fl.com. Call us for a tour at 939-4642. Now, back to Field of Faith Radio with your host, Tom Abraham. And welcome back to Field of Faith Radio. I am Tom Abraham, joined by Bassmaster Elite Series professional fisherman Mark Menendez, uh, who's won well over a million dollars. Uh, as a tournament angler and has been featured on TV shows, uh, fishing TV shows, uh, uh, countless times uh, over the years as well. And uh, back on the Bassmaster Elite Series Tour as uh, as we speak, uh, they're looking forward to a big year this upcoming year. Talking about losing his wife back in uh, 2014, the love of his life, uh, Donna. And uh, Mark, at that point in time, the kids are eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere in that that range. How do you sit down? You talk about preparing for their future, but how do you sit down now, uh, regardless of your needs as a single dad, how are you explaining this to your children in a faithful way uh, to let them know what has happened to their mother? Well, in the final weekend when I knew that it was a matter of time, I was able to get the children to her for a day in Nashville, Tennessee. And I took them outside and said, you know, your mother may become an angel soon. We don't know. So I pressed I put a precedence in that in that manner, and uh, three days later I came home without her and and told them that their mother was now an angel and it really broke her fall. Uh, and what was amazing about that was the coming days I did not know that I would have to ride on their shoulders for support. Um, it was a very um, difficult, very hard time, but yet. Um, an amazing time that these children uh, helped me get through that. In fact, I'm picking up children right now, which is one of my <laughs> one of my duties here at school. And my son has joined me, and my daughter will be here in just a second. Mm. But they were fantastic. They had I didn't hide the cancer from them. I didn't. I didn't. This was something that they were aware of. You know, she went through the surgery. She went through radiation. She went through all the treatments, and. Um, she went, they went through that with her. My daughter actually gave her a dose of radiation at the uh, radiologist um, um, office and actually gave it to her. So she wow. felt very connected with this. So it wasn't that we hid it from them. We let them share the journey and be a, be a part of it, which I think was one of the smartest things that we ever did. Did she get a sense of peace uh, when it got near the end that uh, as strong as she was in her faith and, and you as well, that there was that it wasn't just this blink thing that was about to happen, that there was going to be this incredible glory and this new body and, and everything that she had uh, almost in an anticipatory way of what was coming next for her? Well, what was unique, Tom, is Donna was an adopted child. So her biological mother gave her up as a young person um, she had had multiple important people either pass away and leave her side like her adopted father did when she was 12. And when she passed, on the moment she passed, that was the wealthiest woman in the world. And what I mean by that is she had a family. 
She had two beautiful, smart, intelligent children, and she had a home. So she had everything that she didn't have in her earlier part of her life, she had at that time. And then she had a husband that was that absolutely adored her and gave everything he possibly could to take care of her. So she was wealthy from a standpoint of a spiritual place because she had everything she wanted to achieve in her hand. But the bad part was she had to leave. But look where she was going. Yeah. That woman went straight to heaven. And uh, so she's uh, she has the new body. She has the, the, the smile with the right hand of the father. She's there. There's no doubt. Yeah, and for the kids who are now teenagers, by the way, good luck with that. I've taken nine of them along with my wife through that uh, period of time, so have a blast with this uh, this mid teens now uh, as they go through that period. <laughs> but but with the kids as they get older, is it something that you have to continue to talk about from a faith standpoint, um, so that they don't lose their faith based on the fact that you know their mother was taken away from them and think that this was something evil? Well, we don't think of it as in terms of evil. We celebrate Donna every day where my daughter looks so much like her. She is a talented artist in her own right. Donna was an um, unbelievably talented artist. My son is sweet and kind like his mother is. And so those attributes are carried forward on a daily basis. So we became the three musketeers instead of the four musketeers, and it brings a closeness to Max and Caroline and I that I never would have thought possible. They're straight-A students. They don't get in trouble at school. They're kind to others. And they know that part of my spirituality is being on the water, mm. that I'm very close to God when I see a wood duck. I'm very close to God when the sun comes up, and it's a beautiful pink color. Um, whatever the beauty that we see in the outdoors, we realize that that God works, and, and we're very in touch with that. We miss her terribly but we know she's in a much better, safer, warmer, loving place there than here on Earth. Earth is a tough place to be. Yeah. And talk for a moment about the guys. We've, we've had a number of professional fishermen on Field of Faith Radio. Um, it's just it's, it's such a fascinating group of guys, from the deacon himself, Jimmy Houston, uh, right on down to so many guys, Randy Howell and, and, and so many others um, that, that, that are very strong in their faith. But talk about the community and how they were with you. You were two years off the tour. This is the way you make your living. And, and, and finally made the decision to go back to tournament, competitive t- uh, tournament and fishing, uh, which you're doing still to this day. But just talk about the, the way they wrapped their arms around you and your family. Well, it was it was unbelievable. It was during those 2012 to 2014, I can't tell you how many meals showed up. I can't tell you how many cards and fun games and things like that for the children. I can't tell you how many phone calls that I received from people. And then Don Barone uh, took it upon himself and put together a fund to help us through with the financial part of cancer. I spent just about my entire career earnings with the help of insurance on the care for Donna with cancer. Nearly a million dollars was spent on her alone fighting cancer. So uh, during that time, Tom, we also had a water pipe burst in our home when we took our children to Disney World. (laughs) And it did over $100,000 worth of damage. And that was in that last 90 days where we basically lived at a residence inn hotel and still had to have normalcy in our lives. My peers, my friends, and this group of anglers were so supportive 
best. The organization was ultra supportive. And then my sponsors, it gave me a lot of strength and a lot of support to push on because there were days that I just didn't see how I would get through it. Mark Menendez with us uh, talking about his story as uh, here on Field of Faith Radio. Okay, finally, let's move into, as I said, the rest of the story. Now, after a couple of years of, of, of mourning, you, you have the situation where you're introduced to a woman who lost her husband, a Christian woman, a faithful woman, who lost her husband within days of the time that you lost your wife, Donna. And now this new relationship uh, has, has, has blossomed. Talk a little bit about the, uh, the Brady Bunch-esque uh, escapades of, uh, you know, of Mark and Melissa. Well, here's God having another big chuckle at my expense, and I'm appreciative of, of it. A mutual friend um, that was a, um, was a nurse, um, she was helping me in those final days with Donna. She was not working at the time, so she spent lots of time with, with Donna and myself and helped us through some very difficult times. And um, uh, there was another tragedy of uh, a man dying in our community, a uh, 40-year-old uh, dermatologist, um, and uh, she was friends with that family as well. And after about six months of me talking to my friend Julie and Melissa talking to our friend Julie, Julie says, you need to meet this person because she's telling me the exact same things that you're telling me. And I said, Julie, I don't want a love connection. I, I don't need that right now. And Julie says, no, 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 no. This is someone is it's in the same dark place that you are that you could be beneficial to. You could help her through that as well as she could help you. And that's how the relationship started. We met six months after the passing of uh, our spouses. And um, we met at the country club on Labor Day. All the kids were in the swimming pool. Julie's kids were in the swimming pool. My mother happened to be there. And um, it seemed to be very comfortable uh, to meet this new person that you had no history with, so to speak, other than the fact that Max and one of her sons, Luke, were in uh, preschool together, but we didn't know each other, even through preschool. Um, but this was really comfortable. And uh, we started out very slow, just uh, we went to lunch about three weeks later, and then there was an occasional text, and then we started communicating more through text, and she was uh, pushing a lot of really spot-on Bible verses and thoughts about grief and things like that from books that she was reading from the Bible as well, and we, we hit this talking point, Tom, and then it became ultra-comfortable. Now, this woman is five foot two, <laughs> and she's mean as a snake, Tom. I'm telling you, having to keep all these kids in line. But it was inspirational, and I, and I use that term so loosely. It really caught my eye on the fact that she was suggesting this. She, wasn't, she did not know my position on spirituality. She just made an assumption just on how I reacted to what we talked about. So this goes on for six to ten months, and then we started spending a lot of time She's, uh, she's an exercise instructor, and she was helping me get fit. We yeah. walked and did yoga and other exercises. And um, at that point, at about, about a year and a half later, I'm like, my gosh, you're crazy about this friend of yours. And it developed even more, and so now we are in a full-fledged relationship. Our children get along well together. Um, we support one another. There's birthdays. There's Christmases. And she taught me how to live again. Yeah, And I think Donna would want that. I think her husband, Doug, would want that. 
And uh, all of our friends have been so thrilled to see this growth and this uh, compassion and this uh, consideration of love blossom. And um, she's uh, she is just a wonderful person. I actually, Mercer gave me the microphone on the uh, Bassmaster stage at the Kentucky Lake event, and I actually called her out on there. And I said, Dave, I just want to say um, I had uh, all my friends were there with my Martin Mendez Bass TV television shirt on supporting as we were filming Bass, Martin Mendez Bass TV there during the event. And he pointed out to this slew of white T-shirts with my logo on them, and I said, Dave, I want to point one person out in that crowd. My children are there, friends' children are there, and that friend, her name is Melissa, and I love her very much for helping me and being such a strong person to help me get on the right track and allow me in her life to help her. And uh, whether I catch another fish or not in my entire career, I thank the Lord for that whole time period. What a great story. Now, I'm going to give you uh, 90 seconds for a little PSA because uh, we we talked a lot about cancer, and uh, you have had your own little scares with skin cancer. And and until I met you, I thought Shaw Grigsby was the most covered-up angler I've ever seen in my life. And then I see you, and I'm like, goodness gracious. And and I'm I'm, I'm bad. I mean, I like to be out there. I'm Italian, and I have dark skin, and I think it's okay for me to wear my short sleeve uh, jerseys and be out there in my shorts and so on. On and, and love the sun, but uh, uh, just just tell folks about what they need to do if they're out in the sun a lot. Uh, what what they need to do shows on in the south, uh, you know, and uh, um, just tell folks how they can protect themselves from from skin cancers. Well, it is something everyone needs to be aware of, Tom. It's a, it's a very serious thing as our atmosphere is changing, the ozone layer is thinner, and the rays of the sun are stronger than what they were when we were even children. So I had, like I said. Um, Melissa's husband was a, was a dermatologist, and I went to his office. He was not my doctor, but I went to his office um, to my dermatologist, and my dermatologist says, look, you better start covering up because you're going to wear your skin out before you wear your arms, your elbows, your neck, or your back. And that was a very sobering thought process. At that point, I, I had already been wearing long sleeve shirts to stay covered up from the sun on my arms. I was starting to wear long pants, wearing technical clothing. I wear golf pants every day uh, while I'm fishing. He prescribed me Blue Lizard sunscreen, which is the best that I have used. I've used them all. This is a, basically a one-time application that is fantastic. It uses zinc oxide that covers your skin. And then I actually use gloves. I use a buff. I use floppy hats, sunglasses, and everything else that I can to stay covered up. And my dermatologist is now telling me that my skin is actually on the repair. Wow. It's actually repairing itself. I've had multiple um, precancers burned off of my hands, my face. I've had three rounds of chemotherapy cream for chemical peels on my face, and I'm due another one at this time. So we do need to take care of ourselves while on the water. Even the reflection of the water off the surface of the water to our chins and our um our breastbone and our, and our neck area, that's one of the most toughest places that we can get it. But here's one, time that I want everyone to realize that melanoma generally starts on someone's foot, particularly between mm. the toes. And we fishermen all love some flip-flops. So if you have to wear your flip-flops, put a pair of footies on to cover those feet up. But that is the number one place for melanoma to start and be missed by most people. I never stay knew that. Covered up uh-huh. You can stay out there. Never knew that. So that's a tremendous deal. Uh, Mark Menendez has been our guest fighting the good fight. Mark, I appreciate you so much. God bless you and have a great 2019. 
Well, I'm really excited, Tom. It's a great time to be at Bass. It's a new generation of anglers coming in. You know, I'm one of the old guys now. I'm one of the old farts. And um, I think that's kind of funny because I've been at this for 28 years. This will be my 28th season, and I have just as much enthusiasm for it now as I ever had. And, yeah. I, and I'm really grateful for that. So I'm looking forward to this year. Yeah, it sounds like the skin of a 16-year-old uh, girl, the, the way, way you're talking about your skin regenerating. So <laughs> <laughs> Mark Menendez, I guess. Not Thanks, that, Mark. Not that, <laughs> not that good. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Tom. That's going to do it for this week's show. And until next time, you keep fighting the good fight as well. I'm Tom Abraham, and this has been Field of Faith Radio. Keep fighting the good keep fighting.